Hello, I'm Sue Rolls, and I'm back again with you today for another episode of the Back in the Band podcast, the show where we remember a simpler time in our lives when music and being in band back in the day meant you could actually dream of one day living the life of a rock and roll star. In what is incredibly our 14th episode, we'll be chatting with our guests today as they talk us through some of the highs, but mainly their lows, of the embarrassing music-related school times. We're talking about shit hair, shit amps, shit non-existent practice rooms, and brutally honest Scottish parental feedback. Before we get into that, though, I'll introduce you to my co-host today. Once again, bringing up the rear, it's John Phillips. Right, welcome back. John, how was your second episode as co-host? Did you ever think you'd be here? I'm wishing I wasn't here. No. (laughs) Sorry, sorry to disappoint you and, and drag you through the mud as I have done for the last 25, 30 years. Speaking of dragging through the mud, I wanted to regale a little bit about the practice room that we had at your mum's in the back garden. Tell our listeners what that was and the best bits and the worst bits of it. Well, it was just an old workshop that we retrofitted in a very amateur way to be a space that we could practice. And what was the decor? Go on. I think we painted it blue because yep. that was the colour you had left over from painting your room. And obviously then we had band posters, Kelly Brook posters. Yeah, we had, we had a beer fridge, obviously. Went very mouldy, that beer fridge. I remember coming back to it at the end of summer. It did go very mouldy, especially when you left your M&S milkshakes. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, sure. I remember bringing down a Thomas the Tank Engine beanbag that was yes. left in my mum and dad's loft for years. <laughs> yeah. And we also, I think we had probably the cast-offs from your amazing electric light collection. Yeah. So some, some lava lamps and bubble lamps, rocket laser thing i think we had an old kitchen top for like a bench that we had the mixer on your cd player did that make its way down there as well the rickety rackety cd player i think we had some of my old man's separates down there is from his, his den and separates yeah what a time to be alive so it was great mate being in there getting a joystick on sticking on a bit of lateralus yeah well, it's better than getting, getting rid of that whiffy 15 year old boy smell isn't it really like anything <laughs> to get away from that so in a world where it's now your wife taking down your Kelly Brook posters off the wall instead of your mum, let's get to the second episode of season two. Today's guest is James Bain, or Bainey as he's also known to his mates. Bainey and I first met at the oh-so-wet, cold, dark and rainy Huddersfield University in 2005. My God, we're old saying that day out loud. He was housemates and old friends with a bunch of Corby lads, some of which I ended up being in a band with back during those uni days. At the time, he had a fuck-off afro that belonged in Coheed and Camry, I'd say, rather than Yorkshire. Speaking of Yorkshire, he also drank half of the alcohol stocks in the area in Freshers' Week alone, and he couldn't be more obsessed with tech if he wanted to be. I always remember him as a guitarist with an absurd obsession with stupid time signatures, with guitar pedals and gadgets coming out of his arse. Speaking of arse... Bainey also reminded me prior to this chat that after we finished uni, I drive up all the way from Luton to Hudders to record his band Frame 230's first demo in their shared house front room. I'm sure the neighbours love that one. Music aside, Bainey also ran Waterloo Farm at the time of John Stagdu back in 2014 and was an incredible host, putting on a hell of a spread and Spotify playlist to die for. So I'm hoping to try and return the favour today with a bit of extra self-deprecation along the way. Bainey... So good to have you on the podcast, mate. To get us in the mood, tell us about some of your classic MSN Messenger screen names. I'm pretty sure you had the sort of playing now 
songs on your setting, always on your display name as yeah. well, and, and a really interesting name. Can you remember any of them? I'd always have like, try to be avant-garde, just because that's fucking interesting, isn't it, girls? You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, what is that? Oh he's, oh, he's so deep. Look at all those wonderful things he's written. No, never worked. Not once. Not one single iota. The screen names are always fun, but then eventually it got boring. You just leave your name up and that's it and then try and keep yourself a little bit more private. I always remember you'd always put the little number eight in brackets and you'd get the music note that would come up. That's it, and yeah. And you'd, you'd put that either side of your status. To let everyone know that it was definitely lyrics and it wasn't just uh, yeah. you writing something poetic or bullshit. Yeah, you must have had some good ones too. I remember I had some fucking terrible ones. Yeah, I, I, it was best not to share it really, is it? <laughs> Obviously... Bainey, we're here to chat about band times back in school and college. Tell us a little bit about your band. Was this in school? How old yeah. were you when you started this band? So the, the band in school, first off, it was me and Craig. And I went to sim school and we just found out that we both play guitar. But before that, my dad taught me to play and then I got interested in the classic rock, things like that. So it was interesting because we were both of the same sort of vein. Our, our parents both liked the same kind of music, a uh, bit of punk, a bit of like the Beatles and a bit of classic rock. So we had a lot of musical history links, in, if that was the way to put it. But we were young, angsty teenagers, so we called ourselves Broken Minds. We ended up just finding each other by accident and saying, oh, yeah, you heard, heard you play guitar. Do you want to try something out? And we and this was, how old were you? 14, thir just 13 yeah. coming on 14. So it would have been, I got my guitar for my birthday that year. Do you remember what it was? Yeah, I've still, I've still got it sat right next to me. It's a it's a purple Squire Strat, and my dad got me that from the local music shop because he didn't go online for anything at the time, did you? So you went down to your local sure. shop and supported an independent retailer. Did you guys start playing covers, or were you straight away writing? Because it was just the two of us. We sort of were just tinkering away and learning how each other play. And we both developed a bit of a love of Jimi Hendrix, and at the same time, it was like one of those... You just jam and you just mess around with, oh, we know Blur. What do you know? Oh, I know Blur. I know a song too. Blah, blah. Oh, teach me that. Oh, what do you know? I know Oasis. Oh, yeah, you teach me that. It's the absolute cliche classic songs. And we were still at the point where we didn't have our own amps, really. So it was take your guitar and you're just doing it acoustically in this tiny little shite room in the IT department. So you're next to these huge banks. Oh, in the IT department? Yeah, they just Why had this room. That? So this room was too small to do anything with. It was completely useless. But we started in there, and then a music teacher who was who's still an absolute legend to this day, he said, oh, I'll cart some amps down from the music department and get you doing that. And so I got this horrendous heavy keyboard amp with dual inputs, high gain, low gain input for the keyboard. And it was fucking terrifying. It's awful. So it just sounded, it sounded like somebody burping. So good, though. You know, I remember our guitarist had a bass amp for years. Like he, was, he was playing electric guitar without any sort of pedals through a bass amp. And it was only after about two years, we were like, yeah, we probably yeah, just sludge. Just but it's like you say, like at the time you don't have anything. No, you no, like no. can't afford it or whatever. So you just get given that from, I think it was his stepdad at the time. I think Craig at the time had like this little, you remember the micro cube, the cube rolling. So it's like a 10 watt box. It's about the size of a lunchbox you took to school. You'd, you'd fit it in a backpack. It's that small. So it, he had this little thing, and that's hammering out all the high tones. And I've got mine in the bass part of this huge 2x12 keyboard amp, and it just sounds filth. Not in a good filth, it just sounds proper filth. But was it actually as a band, or was it just the two of so you? It's just, just the two of us, like, start off with. We're just jamming oh, away and annoying okay. everybody around us after school. And ended up <laughs> ended up being a bit more like, well, we need to find a drummer. So we talked to a few people, does anyone know a drummer? Then another guy said, oh, yeah, a, a, a drum, I'm not brilliant. I went, oh, just, we'll just go and... Yeah, let's have some fun to do. Got a kit. That'll do. 
have you got your own kit? Have you got transport? Yeah, parent who will take me to wherever we need to be. Great, that's a good start. So, then, so important, the transport as well, wasn't uh, it? Mate. I remember John's oh, mum yeah. getting, getting traipsing us around. Yeah. God knows how many times. Yeah, we were very lucky with that, in fact, because like, uh, my dad and um, Craig's dad would just take it in turns each week. And then they'd get together after and pick us up from practice. They'd stand outside and go, not bad, aren't they? And then my dad would go, no, they're fucking shite. They've they got to get better. <laughs> they got to get better. And I, I imagine saying something's fucking shite in, in the Scottish accent is a lot more painful. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot more dagger to the heart. It, it's, yeah. it's proper daggers. He never told me that until much, much later. But then we got to the point where, right, we were saying, well, there's only three of us. We need a bass player. We were jamming out with this guy for a couple of months. He was always trying to learn something or putting in an extra fill or doing something to, to make it sound more interesting. But what he was really good at was going away and finding the tabs because we think 2002 there's like a couple of sites that they would they'd have people yeah. uploading tabs to them you go up there and then you download this and you'd print it off in like sheets of a4 paper with this there's somebody's done it in notepad by hand with zero dash as zero one zero dash and you're making this line and you think someone's took the effort to this i've got to try it and then it's all wrong so you're annotating somebody's shit guitar tab for, for two hours to get it right but he's got the drum tabs and he's learning everything and he, he was very intricate in learning all the covers to the best of his abilities and to make it sound as proper as it could do towards the record. So imitating the record to him was more important to make sure that it sounded like a good cover. I remember as well, so true about that, John, I remember you being a stickler for that as well. Sometimes we'd be covering, and obviously just covering a song, right? But I remember having conversations, me and other people saying, you just play a fucking beat, man. And you were like, no, I'm playing and I'm going to learn that properly and we're not playing it until I've learned it properly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's always important to me, man. I wanted to... They, they were, these, these people were my heroes. I wanted to try and, as much as possible, do it justice. Yeah, you want to emulate it as closely to the real thing yeah. because that's the point. That's what you're doing. You, if it's a bad cover, it is a bad cover. So, yeah. Speaking then, of bad covers, mate, go on. tell us a bad cover or a bad scenario, some bad experiences that are quite embarrassing if there are any. Okay, so we've got our bass player. We've, we've been doing for about sort of six months with the bass player and we're starting to get noticed around the school and one of the teachers says, ah, oh, we've got this art, this thing for the art department we're doing, like, a, a, so I can't remember what it was exactly about, but it's about holidays. So then we said, oh yeah, we can do something. She's like, I'd like, I want you to play an assembly. And it's that classic, yeah, yeah, yeah sure, no worries, okay. Um, Big show. Yeah, yeah. In our school, assembly was like 600 people. Yep. And it was a tiered auditorium, so you could see every face that was looking at you, waiting for you to fail. Judging you. Yeah. yeah, they're sitting there rubbing their hands together. And we said, okay, well, how, when's this assembly? Oh, you got four weeks. Oh, yeah, great. We'll sort some out along with the theme of holidays. So we went and Craig had a good suggestion. He went, I know what we should do. We should do Seven Days in the Sun by Feeder. So we let the song and I'm just on the cusp about 14, 15 at this point. So we're just, we're literally like about to turn 15. And we're in assembly and we're ready. It's silent. We get the nod from this art teacher to start. So what we do is we, we start with the start of Seven Days in the Sun and go straight to the bit where he does a really high-pitched Seven Days in the Sun bit before going into the proper chorus. And I bomb. I'm the singer. And I bomb. And I just go... Balls drops at a very worst time. I hit no notes in this. And the, you could feel... Because no, there wasn't any clapping or anything. You could just feel the silence deafening and... Like yeah. everyone looking at you going, oh my God. And then the people not looking at you with their head in their hands buried in shame for you. And I sat down on the chair. Obviously, you know that that feeling when you're so embarrassed, you can feel the heat coming from your own face. Like you've been sunburned. 
Yeah. And I just sat there for 15 minutes while this assembly rolled on without moving, without looking up at, from the floor, completely and utterly abashed with myself. And it's funny, isn't it? Because you, you proper build it up prior to it, don't you? Yeah. So you're putting in, I'm going to do this, I'm going to wear this, I'm going to practice yeah, yeah. this, and this is how we're going to do it. It doesn't matter, he still balls it up. Yeah, I still balls it up. <laughs> Did you still have that hair? Yeah, know, yeah, yeah. I had, when you were that, 14. I started that hair when I was 14. So it was at the longest stage then. It was getting down to my shoulders. Inspired that. It was a, <laughs> it was rebel. It was just general rebellion, isn't it? It's where you rebel against mm. your parents. Oh, I'll get your hair cut. No, I don't want to get my hair cut. And then you started to, to see things like Reggie Against the Machine and he's, and Zach Delaroche has got the hair going. And I'm thinking, oh, I've got the curls for that. I could do that. Part of the look, though, wasn't it? it was yeah, yeah. About... It fitted in with the, the psyche and how you want to develop yourself. But yeah. Bernie, going back to that gig off the back of that, what, what, give us some other stories or anything else? We got our first proper gig um, from a couple of friends who lived in the village nearby. And we were, okay, where, where are we on the bill? Thinking that price would be. Bill. <laughs> yeah. We weren't first, we were second on. And we were amazed at this. And we're thinking, why are we second on? They went, well, we've gone alphabetically. There's a band with A in the title before you guys. And we're like, oh, God. It's just done. fair. That <laughs> makes sense. No reflection on ability. It was just purely alphabetical. Just purely crushing. alphabetical, yeah. yeah. So the first band that went on, they were like this Led Zeppelin tribute band. And they were fucking unreal. And then we were getting on the stage. Bear in mind, I'm coming up for the between years. And I haven't discovered jeans yet. I'm still in a Nike tracksuit. Um. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right, though. It's very cool. I was actually wearing the, the shell toes at the time, like the corn style with added shell toes. But yeah, I just, yeah. we just, you look up there and you're like a deer in fucking headlights. And we had written some of our own stuff at this time. We had three tracks of our own and we had about four or five covers ready to just drop in whichever ones we felt like doing. We played this first song that we'd written and We'd written all the music, but the drummer had written all the lyrics and he sung it. Well, like, oh, that's fine. What, what, what's it called? And he told us what the name, I'm not going to tell you the title of the song because it's, it's somebody's name. Right. Right. He told us what it was. And then we went, wait a minute, that's just an anagram of that girl's name. Of course. Is this about this girl? And he went, no, no, no. Cause I quite like the same girl at, at the same time. And I went, is this going to break the band up? Do we like the same person? You've written a song for her. I can't sing it. You've written a song for this girl that I can't sing. And I'm the least singer in the band, but you want to sing it behind the drums. He's like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, all right, off you go. Best of luck. So I've, wow. I've got a face like thunder throughout this entire first gig, knowing full well that he's singing his love song to the girl that I fancy. And oh, for f- <laughs> it's actually a love song. I thought it was going to be like a digger. No, no, yeah, no, no. no. It's a proper, I can't remember any of the lyrics because I'd never seen them. He never showed us any of the lyrics. So he's got this 100% on lockdown, right? He's absolutely, he knows exactly oh, what he's doing here. Matt, I'm surprised you let that happen. Not because of the, the girlfriend thing, but I would have been like, no, I need to know what the lyrics are because I have complete music control of this crap band that I'm in at the moment. <laughs> like, I would have thought that, yeah, knowing you, like, you'd want to... To be fair, I did try my best and say to him, what about the backing vocals? Who's going to back it? I need to know what the backing vocals are. That's what you're worried are. about, the backing yeah, vocals. Yeah, that, that was my angle in to get the lyrics off yeah, it. Yeah, give my... me a piece. Yeah, yeah. what the words would say, I treasure your bum, what is, what's the lyrics, bro? What? <laughs> What do I think you say? This sounds very, it's always sunny. Does the whole theatre show just so yeah, you just can to... propose? <laughs> yeah. um, sounds... If you, you want to get this boy's soul, you've got to pay the troll toll. Yeah. But yeah, boy's soul. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, they, we did that gig and it was, I had a face like thunder. And you, if I could find the video, I'm, sure, I'm just I'm like gritted teeth. But it's one of those where you're just like, well, oh, God, I know, I know we didn't sound as shit as I remember. I know it. And I need to find out. I need that proof. 
I'm pretty sure you will have been sh- even shitter than you remember, mate. It's always the most depressing thing Maybe. going back. Take those rose-tinted glasses off, boy, and then there you go. <laughs> and put on the bullshit filter instead. Yeah. And just, yeah. yeah, I'm not even worried. I just want the memories. I want a bit to have it as a mm. tangible asset and digitize yeah, so that it's that it, forever. It? Making it tangible, man. Yeah. We always ask how being in a band affected your school life, like your popularity or whatever. Do you think that made you more or less popular? It definitely, definitely helped. Because I was never, I was always, I'd always try at sports, but I was never like the sports person. I would always just be one of those people that was by the wayside. And, and it was like, you, like a tw- Middling. A proper, yeah, proper in between where you weren't popular, yeah. but the popular kids didn't fucking come and beat you up every day or take this out or whatever. And I was never yeah. one of the proper nerds. But then with the girls, we had a massive following of girls for our band. Your mums don't count, man. No, they just don't. Honest. And I, 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 <laughs> I shit you not. <laughs> we genuinely All seven did. Seven of the girls in our school liked us. Yeah. We we genuinely had maybe like you're talking like two, three dozen turn up to most gigs. There is a bit of a crutch point on that, and it's because most of them fancied the bass player who was in the year above. Oh, year above! It's always a bloody year above. Yeah, older boy. Yeah. yeah so it, like the middle of like the next year, we were getting more regular gigs, and in Corby, and you might have even played one, Stu. There's this thing called Rock School where they they do all the yeah. local bands come up. Fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> bring back memories yeah you, is that what is that one that you would oh Bainey, just describe it because i can't without being <laughs> so uh the scene in corby was always really good people pushed it they wanted bands on it was it was a regular thing so at the end of every month you'd have a a gig in there they book out a function room in a hotel full kitted out full stage full like sound engineer the whole it's thing. A hotel yeah that was the hotels next door yeah You'd get like all the local bands, build about four or five bands on, and every month it would be rammed out. They'd put a wristband on you, it was two quid or a quid to end, depending on what age you were, and you would be in there with two to three hundred grungers. I just remember there's video of this somewhere, Siren Lake stuff that I've got somewhere. A couple of crap gigs that we played. And I just just remember it was like such a school stage. And I remember the decor. They had like stars on the curtains behind you and stuff. And it'd be like, Am I in a nursery? <laughs> Just, yeah, just uh, more just completely forgotten about that. Yeah. You just said it. That's what was more my shock than anything. Yeah, but it, that's what it was like. So you get through four or five local bands on. Um, one time we did have Rage Speed on play it, which was really fun because they're wow, from the town. Man. So we had them play it and uh, Defen- Defenestration played it once mm. as well. It was nice to have a bit of a local sort of, oh, we've made it. You can make it too. Back in. This is what you, this is what you could be. Yeah, here's, here's what you could have won. Stars in the Rise where you come out the fucking the door. It's and funny the that you had those local bands even the way you say them you just mentioned them i can tell your pride a little bit because they're from your area yeah. we always had that with like sixth sixth was always that or shikari said albans yeah yeah exactly so you, you take pride in who's local like you, you always take pride in that we this is who's come from Mata, who's come from your town that's the goal that's the end goal when you're a 14 year old teenager in a band trying to write some shit that isn't shit and you're playing more than six chords in, in one song which was an amazement at the time You've actually got decent examples. We've got robbing from Watford and St Albans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or Paul Young came from Luton, actually. That's that was pretty good. Not you know? quite musically what we were aiming for. No. no. But we, we gained a bit of traction with the old lady following there, but we also did, we changed our name. We went Sorry, from, did you just call it a lady following? Yeah, that's what yeah, I've written down, so that's what I've said. Sisters, mates, don't count. I've told you that. <laughs> like, but that's it. That's what it was. It was just people in school. They'd go and support you because they were your mates, and then they'd bring their mates, and then that's how it grew. We ended up with a decent following. But we changed our name because we thought Broken Minds was a bit, like, bullshit. It obviously bullshit. is bullshit. 
It's totally fucking bullshit. <laughs> but we thought we've outgrown this. We've outgrown this angsty teenager vibe now. We need to start changing our sound and what we do. So we, this is when the big sort of rush of indie bands started coming out. You started getting Razor Light and the Strokes and the Hives all coming yeah, out. Yeah, Enemy was starting to kick the off. The Enemy was kicking off big time. And that's, so we said, we need to be a the band, right? Okay, what's, what, we, what can we be? And the bass player came back after two days and went, The Venice. And that wasn't an anagram of the girl that you fancied. No, was it? no, it wasn't anything to do with the Venice. And we were like, all right, that's not bad. That's not bad. What was that genre oh, wise? We were say? definitely a Radiohead slash Cooper Temple Claws slash Bush ripoff. Is this all <clears throat> original stuff now? You dropped the covers? No, by we this didn't because we started actually branching out in covers a bit more. We got offered a residency at a pub to do yes. every two or three months at this pub and do the end of the month so like the 29th or 30th the last Friday of the month in the pub and they said we'll pay 200 quid a gig fuck oh, take that now, I don't think I've ever been paid that for a gig for <laughs> no. 15 no. so that right up yeah so we, we're, we're 15 just about to turn 16 at this time we said okay yeah sure what do you want us to learn he said oh give us some good pub covers and some old stuff a good mix of stuff so we went okay fine no worries we'll see you in two months Great stuff. Yeah, amazing. Um, two fucking... 50 quid each and then 50 quid for the pot to cover the practice room. Yeah, brilliant. So we were doing things like the Beatles and we'd do the strokes and then we sliced in our own stuff with it as well. And it was really good. Um, apart from the fact that like we would always just say, what well, we got to cut out and it ended up being all of our own shit songs and our, our um, drummer still trying to cling on to this fucking song he wrote for this girl two and a half years later he's still, yeah, still clinging on to it still pushing it and you've ne have you never had the this conversation with him and you've gone like mate look no, we both I, know what that was about can we talk about no, it no he openly admitted what it was about during the time we were like look we've we've clocked on mate that's an anagram of her name no it's not yeah, it's when, the, when the chorus is James is a dick yeah. it's quite obvious she wasn't even interested in him she was interested in the bass player so it was like he was unrequited so love again it's so funny what reviews is your dad giving you by this point I can't remember what he exactly said but the words were they hurt. They were piercing. They were proper piercing. It's like, but you can, I think it was something along those lines. You can fuck off all that stuff you've written because it's still garbage. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Stu, you've met, you might have met my dad. He's quite sharp in his wit, but he's mm. also very unforgiving when he says something that he means. He can have a joke, but then if he goes, hey, yeah, but you're actually really terrible. Yeah, oh, you keep trying, it's pointless. But that's but my dad, because he, he taught me guitar. He taught me the basics of, of what I'm doing on the guitar. He can always say, and you play the shit note there, didn't you? It's funny you said that. Thinking back now, I do remember my mum saying something like, can't you just play some nice songs or something? Is there <laughs> yeah. not any, like, you not know the Beatles or anything? It was like, mum, we're covering Limp Bizkit and Corn. Like, it's not the same vibe, is it? <laughs> yeah. I remember that. I remember them, I swear, your, your, your mum saying to us, oh yeah, but in, in 30 years' time, no one's going to remember Limp Bizkit, but they'll still remember the Beatles. And, and look where we <laughs> are. Know, and and we're approaching went, that she point. She wasn't wrong. Yeah. She wasn't wrong. We're approaching that point now. Looking back on it then, would you say that it was worthwhile? Do you wish you'd done things differently? What would you say about it? I think it? doing things differently, I'd have definitely gone down the metalish route because that's what most of the bands are doing. And they all got into different projects than we did. So ours was based in the fact that, well, we're a covers band that do their own stuff rather than a band that write their own stuff but do covers for money. We're not whoring ourselves out to, to pay the man. We, we're actually writing our own music and enjoying it. But the, the more lucrative side is that we're selling out to do the covers. And that's what we reviewed in the scene. So it's like, yeah, you fucking sell us. Get off our bill. We're in this rock school and you get sneery looks from people who are just going, yeah, you know, these guys, not serious about this. So weird though, isn't it? That sellout thing is so weird. Like, so what? 
What's it matter? Yeah. If you're doing it, I'm not asking you to be in a band. I'm like, no. you just do whatever works. Man. Yeah, I, I would do it again. I would do definitely a covers band just for the laughs, knowing that you don't have to exert yourself in terms of trying to write something intricate and detailed and then up to your own standard. For you, what did you get out of being in a band? Absolutely nothing, personally. Like, so I, never got, I never got a girlfriend. Uh, I never got laid. Like, I got a bit of money, which put me some of my kit that I've still got to the day. It was fun. I tell you what I did get. I got my confidence out of it, for sure. So yeah. I'd be a completely different person if I wasn't thrust in front of 500 people at an assembly of 14 and then make an absolute asshole of myself at the same time. I definitely would be the same person as I am now, no chance. Now for our fan favourite section, My Napster. This is the place where our guests share the tracks that define their band days. So, Bainey, tell all, how did you find this song? Was it part of the regular Scuzz rotation, or did you find it down the YouTube rabbit hole? How did it make you feel when you first heard it? It's A Certain Shade of Green by Incubus. Round of applause. Well done. I remember when I heard it, and it was heavy, but it was still had that bass, the sort of slappy bass, that mix inside it. I was like, what is this? He's screaming, he's singing, the Brandon boy's pumping out the notes the way he does. And I was like, what is this? And, and I couldn't believe what I'd heard. But the best part about, I think, I actually found it on Napster. So I was downloading this song by accident because someone had mislabeled a file on Napster and I was downloading it from a, a peer-to-peer. And I messaged the person to say, Hi, this song isn't the song you've sent me, but what's the song you've sent me? Because it's better than the song I was downloading in the first place. What is this? And then this girl messaged me back saying, oh yeah, it's this. And I ended up going out with her for five months by accident. <laughs> wow. What now, were you trying to download, by the way? It was, I think it was something like, it was like Lou Reed or something like that. And it, it was, it, it was basically, you, so remember, when, remember when people used to do the old Rick Roll? They they put Rick Astley on it, and it would be, they, no matter what the title of the song was, you'd get Rick rolled because it would be Rick Astley, but you're never you're never going to give you up. Yeah, I think uh, it was someone was trying to Rick roll people with that, but I ended up getting this song off this girl, and my god, and it, it just it just sorted my love of Incubus out straight from there. I went out and bought every single CD. Yeah, and you go back the way to like Battlestar Galactica, and when they brought Make Yourself Out, and we're like, what is this? Is incredible. So. He was always one of my favourite drummers, man. Jose Pesias, incredible. Yeah. So good. It had something about it that not a lot of other bands had at the time to be as contemporary as they were and still managed to smash in a load of funk and a load of soul and, and be an individual band, a band that wasn't like anything else that you could hear. Hey, it's a great choice, man. That's that, so good. That's, that's what one. I love about this feature, man. It just surfaces such gems that you just like. Yes, brilliant. And also the tech that comes with it as well. Like you said, that thing of listening or downloading from Napster or WinMX or whatever, and the messaging. I always forget the messaging wasn't suddenly like you end up having a friendship with someone yeah. and out of nowhere because you were downloading their music illegally. Yeah. <laughs> you've, 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 you end up having a relationship with somebody or, or you, you build a bomb with someone because you happen to share one thing in common. It's a really good choice. I think let's wrap it up here. But thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been really fun. It's been a pleasure. And like I say, we can we can move into the uni bands as well on the next one, can't we? Yeah, if we want to bore people, let's do that. Yeah. <laughs> Cheers, baby. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. It's been an absolute pleasure. 
Hey there, rockers. This is James Hetfield from Metallica, and you've been tuning in to the Back in the Band podcast. Thanks for riding the lightning with us. Remember, this isn't a one-way conversation. Connect with us on Instagram. You can find us at Back in the Band Pod. Got something to say? Tweet us at Back in the Band. And of course, make sure to hit that subscribe button on your favorite podcast platform so you never miss the riff. Until next time, keep rocking, stay tuned, and stay metal. Metal.